ComC.com is your home for buying, selling, and flipping all the hottest trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 24 million cards across all sports, genres, and eras. With a ComC.com account, you can purchase cards from different sellers over time and ship them home together later, or immediately reprice them for sale on the ComC marketplace. To better serve the hobby, ComC recently made changes to streamline their services and improve turnaround. They even opened a new building. To learn more about the exciting changes being made at ComC, please visit blog.comc.com. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. I'm going to start a couple week series on local card shops and we're going to be talking to a couple local card shops over the next couple weeks that have done business differently and they're thinking about doing business in new ways to broaden their reach and broaden their impact in their communities and so we're going to be bringing on some guests over the next two weeks to talk about how they're doing their LCS. Today's guest is Rex from the sports card shop at MoCo. They're an LCS that's located in Michigan, and they just started up last fall, so we'll get to hear from somebody who's starting a brand new shop in a brand new market. But before we get to the conversation with Rex, I'm going to invite you to check out Underdog Collectibles at udogcollect.com. They're an online shop run by Collectors for Collectors, and they break new product every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday night. They break variety of products from baseball, basketball, football, wrestling even gets in there from time to time. You can check them out at udogcollect.com. They also have a great Facebook community where people talk about their hits, they talk about what they're collecting, they ask questions. It's a great community on Facebook, and you can watch them break live on their YouTube channel. Check them out at udogcollect.com and tell them Wax Pack Hero sent you. And now let's hear from Rex. Rex, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it, I wanted to bring you on because you've recently opened up a card shop. And last summer, I opened up a card shop. And it's an interesting environment to open up a shop in the midst of COVID, in the midst of a red hot card market. And so I wanted to bring you on just to talk a little bit about that experience of opening the shop and what it's like operating a shop here in the this current hot card market that we've got. And so again, thanks for coming on. You bet. I'm excited to be here. So tell me a little bit about the origin of the shop. How did the idea to start up a card shop in 2020 come about? Well, it's uh, there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of components that went into the decision to to open the the shop as we did. Um, I start by saying that uh, retail uh, business is what I've been doing for most of my adult uh, career. Um, I have a background in retail, uh, both at Nike. Um, I was the general manager of the Chicago uh, Nike Town store down on Michigan Avenue for a time. Uh, also, district manager with Brooks Brothers and Home Depot. So. Uh, been in the retail business for a long time and even for the last 10 almost 11 years now uh we've owned a retail flooring showroom uh here in new buffalo michigan and we've had a 
a card business, a card selling business, if you will, um, uh, out of that space and on eBay for uh, probably about three years. But it was not a full-fledged shop like we're like we have now with a fully dedicated space. So. Um, my son really got heavily into collecting my son, Owen, who's also a co-owner of the shop. He's 11 and his brother, Max 13, um, they are co-owners of the shop. And when they started collecting cards heavily, I started taking around to the shows, uh, other shops, you know, seeing what was going on. I really, you know, got a feel for what was happening in the market. And we said, you know, look, we really need to get serious about this. So that's when we started really selling cards, uh, in the, in the old retail space, um, as well as on eBay. When the pandemic hit, you know, our retail flooring showroom business was shut down here in Michigan for about six weeks, effectively, um, completely shut down. So we ramped up our eBay sales. We had a lot of time on our hands. We ramped up our eBay sales. We weren't able to do, you know, any flooring business. So, you know, we had, we had time to do something else. So we really amped up that. And we started looking for a retail space in downtown New Buffalo to potentially open a card shop down the road. And then at a certain point, we started thinking, rethinking the current retail space that we had and talking about reconfiguring it. And we made the decision to do just that. Um, we downsized the, the flooring showroom, remodeled that completely and uh, took about half the current space that we had and dedicated it to the card shop. So at what point did you actually open? So we opened at its existing form in October and we recently expanded another 400 square feet uh, just this past month. And how big is the community? I know some people, you know, they try to say is, can it survive in a small town? Does it have to be a medium sized town or, or what? How big is, is your community? It's a small community year round, but we are a resort town. So it's a little different than your typical small town. We are, uh, for those who aren't familiar with the area, New Buffalo, Michigan is about an hour and a half out of Chicago and we're located right on the shore of Lake Michigan. So it's uh, a premier uh, beach town uh, right on, uh, right across the, the border from Indiana. Uh, so it's literally the first stop in Michigan when you're coming from that direction. Uh, very, very heavily trafficked during the season, of course, um, but not so much uh, during the off season. It's a, there's only about 2,500 year round residents in New Buffalo, but there are a lot of second homeowners. Now, from an operational perspective, you know, you said that this was kind of an additional business that you guys run um, in addition to your flooring business. Are you open full time? Do you have seven day a week hours or do you have kind of limited hours? How does how does that work? We started with uh, limited hours uh, for the first couple months. But as we saw the traffic and the demand growing, we had to to move to six days a week and, you know, a full retail schedule. So we're open 10 to 5. Tuesday through Saturday and 12 to five on Sundays. Monday is the only day we're closed. Now, do you staff that yourselves or do you have employees? Because that's that's another one of those components that new small shops all often ask about or ask me about for my shop is, do you pay employees? How do you do that? You know, 
Um, do you have staff or are you kind of self-staffing it at this point? Well, we're very fortunate because it is a family-run business and we have enough family members to run it at the moment. So the flooring business, uh, we have uh, we have employees uh, slash subcontractors that basically run most of that. Uh, and I won't say that's on autopilot, but it is an established business and um, it allows um, my wife, Tina, and I uh, to focus on this particular business along with Max and Owen, who, again, are really the impetus for the reason why we're here. It was their individual collecting and their interest in the hobby that brought us to this place. And they're very active. They work the stores after school, uh, on the weekends, during holidays, you know, whenever they're not actually engaged in playing sports, um, they're here quite a lot. So between the four of us right now, uh, that is the staff. Now, the, the name of the shop is the Sports Card Shop at MoCo, correct? Right. Yes. What was the origin of that name? I'm always curious about the, the names people choose for um, their websites, their blogs, their podcasts, and, and shops, right? So what was the origin of the name? So MoCo is um, the parent company LLC. MoCo Floors and More is the actual LLC. It's been established again since... Uh, well, again, for about 11 years now, um, the origin of the name MoCo stands for Max and Owen Company, my son's Max and Owen. So that's what that's where MoCo comes from. So when we opened the sports card shop, you know, we are in the same, excuse me, the same center here as MoCo. And it is a division of the uh, LLC. So sports card shop at MoCo uh, is the name. Let's talk a little bit about your current focus and and that type of thing. Do you have a, a specialty at the shop? Do you focus on new product? Do you focus on singles? Do you have just a mix of everything? Kind of what's what's the way that you would describe your inventory or your focus? Uh, it's primarily sealed. I would rank it this way: sealed wax. Uh, graded cards and singles, uh, one, two, three. Now, uh, on any given day, any one of those three categories could outpace the other. But as far as the uh, depth of the inventory, that's kind of where it is. Um, the, you know, the, the graded card um, inventory at the moment is a little light only because it's been tough to get a lot of that stuff back from, as everybody knows, it's really difficult with the lead time. So the flow of graded card inventory is not what we would want it to be. We're hoping that at some point that will catch up from the different companies where we have uh, graded card submissions out there. But um, it's more it's more geared towards sealed wax and singles, excuse me, at the moment. Um, we probably have currently uh, close to a half a million singles uh, raw. Uh, and that's the room where we just expanded. Uh, we put all those singles back there, the raw singles back there. And then the front area of the store is really more of the wax and the, um, the graded cards. Now, with sealed wax being one of the primary focuses, how did you or how do you go about acquiring that? Do you, did you establish a relationship with the distributor? Yeah, we've had a relationship with one distributor for uh, quite a while. Um, that's one of the, the main ones. And then we have a second distributor uh, who we opened an account with uh, more recently. And then we also uh, have a, a, a Panini direct account where we buy direct from Panini as well. How was that process 
in this midst of this era that we hear all about allocations, we hear about distributors not even wanting to listen to a brand new shop or or take that on unless you know you're doing hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in business. How did you find that process of getting set up with a distributor or even that Panini Direct account? Well, we we had been working with the Panini Direct account. We had um, uh, we'll talk about that one first. Uh, the the Panini Direct account is a is a great relationship for us, and we're very fortunate to have it. It does not work like the third party distribution system right now. So it's really two different types of distribution. Uh, when you're buying direct from Panini, I can't speak for Tops or Upper Deck because we don't buy direct from them, uh, although we'd like to. Uh, the the direct Panini relationship is a great one. Uh, we don't get allocated, you know, tons because we are newer. Um, there are definitely breakers and stores out there that get allocated much more, but we do get allocated a fair amount of product direct from Panini uh, to put on the shelves. And we're very thankful for that. The, the third party distributors uh, are a bit more of a challenge. Again, the one that we've had for a while, uh, we get some allocations from, it's not big um, and we get cut pretty regularly as most stores seem to be right now, uh, it's difficult to count on any um, allocations from distributors. Um, the second account that we opened recently uh, is not really giving allocations to newer accounts, uh, but they do allow you to buy uh, what they call in stock. So they'll have in stock and or restock you can buy uh, from them. Um, but it's not a true wholesale price, as you probably know. Sure. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I, I know that can be be one of the, the bigger challenges. How about your graded and singles inventory? Is the graded coming from, you know, you mentioned submitting cards and waiting for things to come back. Do you go out and specifically try to acquire that? Do you um, buy collections regularly to to get that singles inventory? What's been your approach for for building that component? We we definitely like to buy collections. We also buy you know selected singles uh, from uh, you know people that come in. They want to trade and or you know sell singles, um, and then we also will buy from shows occasionally. We'll we'll show up at a show here or there, and if it's uh, you know if there are singles that we think we can sell, we'll we'll definitely buy there, and we'll we'll sell them raw but we'll also review them for grading for submissions. We don't buy a lot of graded cards, you know, as they are. We really look more to, as you said, buy into a collection and sort through those cards on which are um, candidates for grading, uh, submit them, and then sell the rest of them raw. One of the things that I think is, um, is kind of important, and, I, and, you know, I'd be interested to know if you see this also, um, we, we really underestimated uh, this component of having a full-fledged shop in that uh, we find that now collections come to us as opposed to us seeking them out. Um, that was one of the real benefits of, you know, going full force with this and opening the shop uh, as we did. We, uh, we get a lot more opportunities to buy cards uh, than we ever did before. Yeah, I think that is one of those unsung benefits that that many people don't think about when you have a physical presence is people can find you, people can bring stuff in. 
and you get a lot more opportunity to pick up some of those collections. So I would agree that that is a, a great benefit. Yep. You, you also mentioned that you sell online and that's one of the challenges that I often hear about is, do you actually get enough foot traffic to support a store? And I typically will tell people, it's like, well, the physical store and the part-time hours that I run, that's only a one component of my overall card business. I sell a lot online as well. And I, I was curious about your breakdown uh, or, you know, roughly how much business do you do on, on eBay that you referenced versus the physical shop? Is, is that a, a big component of what you do or a, a fairly small component? Well, that, that's been an interesting uh, transition, Mike, because uh, as I said, you know, we were primarily selling on eBay and through some Facebook groups for uh, when we first started. Uh, you know, we had a small section of the store that was dedicated to cards, uh, but not, you know, anything like it is. What we found uh, as the store, the physical presence of the store grew and the foot traffic increased, uh, we see the profitability of selling in-store and our ability to sell in-store uh, as, um, as much better for us than selling online because of the fees and the shipping and so forth. So we've done both for the past, you know, since October, since we really opened. But as it stands right now, uh, we have nothing listed on eBay or any other third party, primarily because we sell so much here in the store. So we, we don't sell wax on the sites anyway. So that's a big part of what we do. Um, the graded inventory, again, it, the flow hasn't been there to really keep a constant uh, eBay store uh, up and running with the, the kind of um, uh, inventory that we would like. And the management of the lower cost singles through eBay uh, is, as I'm sure you know, uh, it's a lot to manage and or ship, you know, when you only got four people. So we will, we will start to grow our eBay store uh, back again as the graded cards, you know, start to filter in. Uh, we think that's a good vehicle to sell graded cards as opposed to raw. One of the, one of the issues we had with eBay with raw cards was we found we were, we were spending a lot of time uh, answering questions back and forth, sending pictures, doing research uh, for customers for cards that were $10 or less. So it became a, a time commitment issue where, you know, we would post a card. And I think a lot of people were looking to grade the cards and they wanted pictures, you know, close-up pictures of every corner, um, you know, zooming in on the surface, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a lot of back and forth. And it became... Um, really just a time suck, if you will, uh, versus what we do in the store. I mean, somebody can come into the store, pick up a card. They're welcome to take it out of the top loader they want, take a look and examine it with a loop if they want. That's all on them. Uh, we don't have to go back and forth uh, through co computers and pictures and all that uh, to sell the card. There's another interesting angle that I think you guys are attempting that I wanted to ask about. You know, on your website, you talk about that you're a local shop, but you'll ship to anywhere, right? And you advertise on a couple national podcasts about reach out to us if there's things that you're looking for. How how exactly is that working out? Or, or do you see a lot of direct volume from people reaching out via email or calling up the, the shop to ask or inquire about a specific card? 
Uh, or is that something that you're just kind of experimenting with right now to see how that works? Um, the short answer is yes, it works very well. So um, and I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one of the other areas that has allowed us to move away from eBay. Um, so we have a website that's really pretty much under construction. It's not where we want it to be yet. So it's, it's really more informational than anything else. Um, but as you mentioned, we do advertise on the podcast. We're pretty active on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. So our uh, mail order business, our direct mail order business, uh, has grown exponentially since we opened the shop versus the third-party platforms of eBay and Facebook sales. So I, I would have to take a close look at the numbers, but uh, just off the top of my head, uh, I would say that our direct uh, mail order sales are probably twice what we used to do of, of versus eBay and Facebook. Yeah, that's good to know. You know, a lot of people default and think that going with eBay, ComC, Sportlots, you know, are, are really the only ways to get your inventory out online, but they don't necessarily recognize that there are other direct avenues, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, or just people reaching out, you know? And so I think that's an interesting and insightful approach that you're taking that a lot of people don't necessarily think about. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly understand the eBay and ComC, uh, you know, some of the other platforms out there. We've only really been on eBay as far as third party platforms go. So I can't speak to the to the benefits of the others. Uh, I'm sure they all have their pluses and minuses. But selling direct uh, clearly makes a lot of sense for us from a profitability standpoint. Uh, no fees. The shipping is going to be there no matter what. So it doesn't really matter if we're shipping it direct. I mean, or through eBay, you're going to pay the shipping fees either way. Um, the other thing that we like about the uh, eliminating the third parties as much as possible is the potential of, you know, getting scammed, if you will. I don't know if that's really the right word. I know that's a common term that's being uh, thrown out there, but we've had people attempt to to say through eBay before that they didn't receive or they, that they received a box of cards, for example, and it was already opened. And, you know, we, we obviously would not do that. I mean, we're not going to risk our reputation for, you know, one box of tops baseball cards, you know, we're not going to send it. I mean, that that's kind of silly, but we had to fight it, but it takes time to fight that. We eventually want it. Um, but those types of things happen on the third party um, platforms. And I'm not, I'm not going to say that you could never risk a chargeback if somebody paid with a credit card if you're selling direct. But I think the risk of that type of thing uh, is drastically reduced when you sell direct. Now, did you, you mentioned that your sons were into collecting and that's kind of what helped ramp up your interest in opening up the shop and their engagement with that. Did you collect a lot historically? Uh, as a kid, I did. I was a collector of several different things as a kid, but not really much as an adult. I, um, uh, as a very young uh, a kid, my brother and I, back in the late 60s, early 70s, collected baseball cards and Hot Wheels. So my father uh, was in the Air Force, and when he would come home from leave, he would always bring us baseball cards and Hot Wheels. So we had those collections, but you know, what happened to those baseball cards I have no idea. Um, you know, it's that story of, you know, we lost interest. You know, we grew up, we grew up from them, whatever they got, 
tossed, given away, sold at a garage sale. Who really knows what happened to those cards? Um, but those were would have been, you know, something from the 68 to 72 ish era. All those cards, uh, shoe boxes full of them, literally. Um, after baseball cards and Hot Wheels, as a um, kind of a preteen, I guess, I was into beer cans. A friend of mine and I had beer can collection that was uh, quite substantial. So we did that for a few years and then we got away from that as well. We got into, you know, other things uh, as we got a little older. Uh, but it was my son, Owen, that really brought me back into collecting cards. It was his interest in it. We're a sports oriented family. Um, you know, my sons play a lot of sports. I coach uh, both youth leagues. I also assistant coach high school football uh, here in New Buffalo. So we're very sports oriented. We're sports fans. And uh, this was a this was a natural extension of what we live every day. One of the other challenges that I hear people talk about, especially when they kind of start up a shop is you get to see so many cool cards come in the door through these collections that they sometimes have a struggle with keeping some of these cards for their own collection versus selling them. And that can sometimes create um, an issue of, of generating profits and revenue because you're wanting to keep and hang on to all these, these cool cards that come in. Has that been a challenge at all for the, the kids? Oh, for the kids, for sure. And for me, to a degree, I mean, I like the vintage stuff a lot uh, and certain players. They, they're really the collectors right now. I mean, I have a small, a very small collection of cards that I keep, but I, I try not to get attached to them. You know, it's a little bit different for them, too. And um, it's not even just the, the cards themselves. Uh, it's the wax because they like opening boxes, too. They, they uh, you know, when we get boxes in, they're excited to, to rip a pack or something like that. I mean, that's all obviously part of the fun. So we have to we have to temper that. And, and we're, we've gotten to a point now where we we understand that we have to look at it a little bit differently. So for for those out there that are, you know, collectors that are you know looking at opening a store, I, I would agree with you that that is something a bridge that they're going to have to cross. At some point, you'll have to start looking at it differently if you want to turn merchandise because you really just you can't hold on to it. You've got to, you know, you've got to price it and you've got to sell it um, when you have the opportunity to do so. It seems that you've kind of demonstrated that it is possible to start up a brick and mortar store, that there is room in the market to open up a shop and and succeed. What is something that you would give as a piece of advice for somebody that's considering opening their own shop? Well, here's, here's the thing that I would say uh, first and foremost, Mike. Uh, I don't know if you could take this as advice or not, but uh, we would not have done what we did in October had we not already had a lease on the current retail space. I think that's the first and foremost consideration for anybody who's looking at opening a space. Now, location is key, obviously, uh, but you really have to understand the cost structure of owning or leasing a building, uh, you know, to, to open a retail establishment. Uh, it's not, it's not as simple as, you know, just throwing up a, a sign and saying, Hey, we're open for business. As I said, I have a retail background, so we were very comfortable. My wife does too. My wife's been in retail for a number of years. Uh, she has the she has a retail background as well. She has another uh, a gig as well that she that she works in addition to the shop. So uh, we're always kind of working. But I uh, I would caution people to make sure 
that they really understand what they're getting into, uh, whether they're going to buy a building or lease a space to open a shop. That's the critical component. The second one is, um, as you mentioned already, I, I'm not sure you can buy your way into allocations at this point. I'm not an expert, obviously, but I don't know how much money. I mean, unless you had celebrity status, I'm still not sure you could buy your way into it. When I see and I hear and I talk to some of the other people in the, in the community who, who've been major buyers for a number of years from tops, uh, from other distributors, and I see their allocations being cut, and I hear their allocations being cut to what they are, it makes me really question how anybody could at this point in time um, get any reasonable sort of allocations from a distributor. I think those are, are great points for me and the way that my shop is run, that physical presence or the, the arrangement is one of the key things that allows me to keep it as a part-time structure. I've got a dedicated space within another shop based on their facility. There's kind of an offset area, kind of isolated area, similar to maybe what you described as, as what you initially started with inside your existing retail establishment that I'm able to have and and essentially sublease, right? And so I don't have that full overhead of a of a building and utilities and all of the things that would go into into that. And so that that structure, that arrangement has been huge in, in allowing me to to get established. And then the nature of that shop within a shop setup is part of my agreement is that I don't sell brand new wax, and so I don't have to worry about those allocation issues. The wax that I'm selling is all five years or older. And so I'm able to acquire that through other third parties, through direct um, conversations with other people. And so that challenge of getting new wax to have people come in the door to get, that's not part of what I'm dealing with either, which is somewhat of a unique situation. And so I, I think the way I, the thing I like about that the most is that you're showing one example of how it can be done. I'm showing a different example of how it can be done. And I'm sure there are several other shops out there that have slightly different models that work, but the key is find something that can work in your current environment. Would you agree with that? Uh, 100%, Mike. I, I, I'm really intrigued by your model too. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that the setup that you have, and of course I'm, I'm looking forward to, to meeting uh, you in person and actually visiting your shop someday. We're not really that far apart uh, geographically. Yep. Um, so I, I really like your setup and the way you described it to me. I think at one point it sort of sounded like to me, uh, like you were having your own little card show, you know, every weekend or whenever you were there. And I think that's a great model, uh, especially, you know, if you're just starting out. And uh, if you're looking to do this, something other than full time. So I, I think you've hit on something uh, really unique and uh, quite wonderful there. I, I think that's a fantastic and focusing on, you know, the singles and the older wax again, that's a niche that um, that is probably underestimated by a lot of people. Uh, and if you just if you just if you're looking at just opening a shop and thinking, well, I'm going to get new product uh, and just sell new product. Uh, at this point in time, I think that's a recipe for failure because I just, again, I don't think you're going to get it. I don't think it will always be this way. I think things will start to loosen up at some point. And, and I'm hoping that third-party uh, distributors will return to 
a sense of normalcy, uh, normalcy someday. Uh, but I don't see that anytime, you know, this year or even next year, if, if the, the sales keep going on what they're going. One of the things that you mentioned was different models. So our model is, is a lot different than a lot of shops that are out there in this present day and age too. Um, many shops, especially those that are getting big allocations, they're breakers as well. And some of them, their breaker business or their breaking business uh, is a huge component, possibly even bigger than their just, you know, walkthrough business. Uh, we don't do breaks. Uh, I have nothing against breaks, uh, you know, to each their own. It's just not my thing. Uh, I don't really enjoy doing them. I don't really enjoy being on camera uh, and that part of the business. Um, so there's things about the breaking um, part of it that I don't enjoy. And that's why we choose not to do it. It's just not part of our business model. There's also, there are also shops, many shops that do quite well with, um, uh, as a third party submitter to, to the graders. Of course, PSA being shut down right now has put, a, put a, a serious clamp on them, anybody who's submitting to PSA. But there are other graders, you know, there are CSG, SGC, uh, Beckett as well, that all have uh, sub, uh, subgroups that you can, uh, you know, you can submit cards through. And a lot of card shops do that. We do not do that currently. And the main reason is because from a customer service standpoint, we don't want to be a source of frustration for our customers. And there's a whole lot of frustration around grading right now for a lot of different reasons. And we, if we're going to take control of somebody's cards for any particular reason, we want to be able to have them feel comfortable that they're in good hands. And we want to actually be able to tell them what's happening with them with some reasonable time frame of when they're going to get their cards back. We can't do that right now. So for that reason, that's the main reason we're just not submitting grading for anybody other than our own cards. Um, we just, again, we don't want to be, we want people to have a good experience here and we don't want that grading uh, process to sour them on us. So we're staying away from it at this time. There are many shops that um, that continue to grade for their customers, and that is a big part of their business. And God bless them. I'm glad they do it and more power to them, to each their own and every other cliche you can think of to throw at that. So you mentioned, you know, you started things up, you expanded the square footage that you were allocating to the shop. You've built on or you're, you've added on your singles room now. What else can people expect to see from the shop? Where are you headed? Anything coming down the road that you want to get out there and share with the listeners? Well, I, you know, I, it's probably a little bit early on, but there's, there's always, there are always opportunities. There are a couple of ideas kicking around with special events out there. Um, one of them is a show in this area uh, at a local facility, partnering with a promoter who currently does a show in the Chicagoland area, um, doing something like that. One of the, we, found, we found that when there are shows going on nearby, traffic increases in our store. So it's kind of an interesting uh, phenomenon, if you will. There, are, there have been card and toy shows that have gone on in surrounding cities 
And on those weekend days when that happens, we've noticed a, a serious uptick in traffic. And it seems to me that once people are out and about doing that, you know, they're interested in come, coming to check out shops that are nearby as well. So I think that's that's a that's something we'll probably get involved with here pretty soon. Um, I think you'll see that potentially as early as this summer uh, and maybe having a show in New Buffalo um, the week prior to the national interestingly enough. So that's in the works at the moment. And, uh, you know, you guys can follow our Facebook page or Instagram to hear more about it. Uh, as the promoter gets the details ironed out, uh, you can uh, you can follow us there to, to hear about that. Uh, and then the last one is that um, we're currently designing a cardboard storage box that's a little different than what you're seeing out there in the market currently. And we'd like to be able to bring that to market around the time of the national, if all things go as planned. But again, if you guys want to follow our Facebook and Instagram, you'll kind of see some details as that stuff emerges. Intriguing. You mentioned Facebook, you mentioned Instagram, and you mentioned your website. Where should people go if they want to get in touch with you, check out what you have and, and build that connection or build that relationship with you? What's the best place to get a hold of you guys? All of those three social networks, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, are all uh, excellent choices. You can always certainly email us, uh, directmocosportscards at gmail.com. You can email me or you can call us at the store. Um, uh, any of those are, are available uh, at any time. And, and I can't guarantee you that I'll answer at you know midnight on a Friday. But you know if I happen to be working and up, I might. Well, thank you again for the conversation. It was great hearing about your shop, how you're approaching it, what's working well for you and, and where you're headed. It's, it's always fun for me to hear other people having success and thinking about doing cards a little bit differently. So thanks again for coming on and having a conversation. You're very welcome, Mike. And again, thank you for having us. Uh, as I as I mentioned a couple of months ago, you're one of the podcasters we really enjoy listening to. Your your cadence and your delivery are a lot different than others, and we really uh, we enjoy listening to it uh, in the truck as we're riding around. It's very informative. So thank you for what uh, for what you're doing for the hobby. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for those comments. I think it's a pretty cool setup that they've got there at the sports card shop at Moco expanding from being a flooring store or a flooring provider to now a flooring and sports card provider as a subsidiary of their LLC is a pretty cool way to pivot and and capitalize on this hobby and capitalize on the business side of this hobby. So I hope you enjoyed hearing about MoCo and what they're doing up there as a different perspective of what it's like to start an LCS here in this current market. Let me know what you think. Reach out at waxpackhero at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at TheMikeSummer and leave a rating and review on your podcast app of choice. I'd love to hear what you think about this and if you've got any thoughts about what it's like. Join me next week where I'll be bringing on another guest, the Underdog Collectibles team, to talk about their new venture of starting a local hobby shop in addition to their online breaking. Come back next week for that conversation and we'll expand on this series of being an LCS here in 2021. That's all I've got for you today, so I'll catch you next time.